This is the podcast by the Straits Times. It's time for the double feature movie podcast. I'm your host Jonathan Robertson. I'm joined this week by uh, nobody. It's Chinese New Year. Everyone's kind of gone off. So anyway, a very quick one this week. Bad Boys for Life. That's the featured movie. Bad Boys, Bad Boys, what you gotta do? Um, it's the number one movie in the world, which is very strange, given that it's had about a 17-year absence. So why is it doing so well? Well, I mean, compared to other long-delayed sequels, it's not been a great time for them. You know, you've had a Men in Black International, which is awful. Terminator Dark Fate, I liked it, but it just didn't catch on. Doctor Sleep was sort of a shining, sort of a thing. Uh, in fact, in the world of reboots, the only thing that's really done well is Jumanji. And Bad Boys for Life is similar to Jumanji in that they found the key, which is chemistry. Uh, you can have as much action as you want. If you're not interested in the people on the screen, then you're not going to be interested. And thankfully, Will Smith and Martin Lawrence are really good. They're back. It's not like they're here just for a cash grab although the film does have ulterior motives. So, I mean, it's 17 years later since the last one, Bad Boys 2, which is currently on Netflix. If you want to endure it, it shows you just what was wrong with Bad Boys at the time. But I've got to say, there's something about that old married couple vibe between Will Smith and Marty Lawrence. Uh, It's so watchable, even between the action scenes. I mean, Lawrence was never that convincing in the action scenes. but And I've got to say, if anything, and I never thought I'd say this in my life, This sequel needed more Martin Lawrence. I've never been a fan of the guy, which is why I'm so surprised I'm saying it, but the scenes where he's not there, it starts to drag. And there's a section in between, in the middle, where Smith and Lawrence are kind of split up. And without Lawrence there, it's okay. I mean, yes, he's looking way heavier, as is Smith. You know, they are in their 50s. But yeah, yeah, Lawrence is uh, a lot more of a convincing character this time. Last time he was like just angry all the time, and you know he has the home life. Will Smith is the, I'm sure it was explained sometime, but he's the inexplicably rich cop. And Martin Lawrence has all the best lines in this. So this film's been a huge hit at a seventy million dollar opening weekend when it opened earlier over in the states. It's now the number one film in the entire world. And it's just as well, because, okay, aside from it's lovely to see Lawrence and Smith back and bantering away. This film has a primary purpose, and that is to be the launch point of a new franchise, of which it is very blatant. It's not like, oh, maybe we could get more out of this. No, this whole plot, this whole film is structured to be the launch of a franchise. Basically, Bad Boys paved the way for the Fast and Furious franchise. You know, it... it upped the action level. The Fast and Furious franchise back when it was this sweet little thing about Vin Diesel and his gang boosting, I think it was video to DVD recorders? Sounds quaint, doesn't it? Uh, Yeah, but back then Fast and Furious then took off so Bad Boys is now back and they want a slice of that sweet, sweet franchise pie. So a fourth installment is already in the works and well, you know, the way they introduced the new gang it's very clear that they, they want this gang to go on and do marvelous things. So you've got things, I wouldn't say huge stars, but notable uh, actors. So you've got Vanessa Hudgens, uh, Alexander Ludwig, Paolo Nunes, to name a few. They are going to be the core of this new gang going ahead. Whether Smith, Lawrence, or whoever, however they're involved later, they're going to be in it anyway. 
So the plot here is really simple. They're still in Miami. Detective Mike Lowry, who's Will Smith, his past is catching up to him as the Mexican cartel for some reason wants to take him down. It's not just his past, though. It's also this sense of his age is catching up. They are playing their age now, you know. And he has a sense that at a certain age of what he is, the single life is somewhat hollow. So compared to Martin Lawrence's character, Marcus, he's Marcus has got the family. Mike has got nothing. Right now, he's, he's, he's looking for something more in his life. Where's the gap? He's, he's under attack physically and existentially. And if you missed last year's Gemini Man, you know, here's another chance to enjoy his similar themes. Because, you know, it's like, oh, I'm old, I'm a single, what do I have in my life? Well, he, admittedly, he does not sing it like that. Anyway... Thankfully, as I mentioned earlier, Michael Bezer vacated the director's chair and the Belgian team of Adol El Arbi and Belal Fala, they bring a, a coherence to the action. Everything, you know where everything is. It's a lot smoother and it benefits from it because it just seems a much more coherent thing. And it allows basically Smith and Lawrence to do what they do best. So among the new blood, uh, Alexander Ludwig and Paolo Nunes make the most impact. Uh, Alexander Ludwig is this improbable hacker. Paolo Nunes plays the sort of love interest of Will Smith, and given that Nunes is just 10 years younger than Will Smith, in Hollywood, that is basically age parallel. You know, usually in Hollywood, if it's a love interest of a guy who's over 50, she'd be like just into her 20s probably. Vanessa Hudgens doesn't get a huge amount to do. She's probably thankful that Michael Bay is not in this because some of her scenes are not treated as salaciously as they would do, especially when she has to infiltrate a club as a bottle girl. Jacob Scipio is not the most charismatic of villains, but he does get quite a few cool scenes. Uh, There's a scene where he has a fight with Will Smith, and it's, I don't know, is that Will Smith? Possibly a bit of a face replacement on a stuntman. I don't know. It didn't quite convince me. But Scipio is pretty cool. Uh, Surprisingly English. Uh, Overall, Bad Boys for Life does what it needs to do. It's it's fun. And it's funny. Bad Boys for Life. It's non-committal, non-offensive nonsense. Non-committal fun. You don't have to feel that you're going into a worthy, worthy film. And that is probably right. More than anything, it has gone ballistic at the box office. God, I mean, if nothing else, you really want them to come back and do a bit more. Yes, they've left it 17 years too late. Yes, they're both looking a bit long in the tooth, and certainly there's going to have to be some dieting going on. There is a hint of uh, a similarity to Fast and Furious in the end credits scene, which suggests, um, how can I put it? You know, Jason Statham kind of became part of the Fast and Furious crew, despite him being the villain before. Yeah, there might be a bit of that. Oh yeah, there's a bit of a twist in this, but I'm not going to go into that now. It doesn't really matter. Bad Boys for Life, I'd say 3 out of 5. Definitely, I'd see it again. It'll do gangbusters when it gets onto streaming. So, anyway, that's a quick one from me. Until next time, and another double feature. Oh yeah, if you are on Google, Apple, or Spotify, step on the gas. Give us a like. Give us a rating. And until another double feature next time, and hopefully with somebody else in the studio, so I'm not going mad talking to myself. Goodbye. That was an SPH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts, or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sph.com.sg. 
You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times and The Business Times online.